Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Joe Lowry, and with me today to talk about the USMNT's emphatic 5-1 win over <laughs> Panama in World Cup qualifying is Florida man himself. It's Taylor Rockwell. <laughs> Taylor, is it true that a day after a day or so of, of being in Florida that you become Florida man? I've heard that's true. I want to confirm from you right now. Is it true or not? I do feel the strange urge to take my shirt off and grow a mullet while we record. So yeah, yeah, there's something to that. Uh, my, my microphone has decided to go Florida Man in that it's not working. I don't know, is that Florida Man? I, I'm, that's a shoehorned-in way of explaining that uh, my mic, uh, the connection is not so great. So we're using uh, headphone mics for me today. That's why I think we're going to do a shorter show. Is that right, Joe? That's right. So we're doing about a 20-ish minute show today. Tomorrow we'll have the full recap out. Heck, it might even be tomorrow by the time you listen, by the time you guys listen to this. But it yeah. will be early in the morning by the time this hits your feed. We'll have a much more in-depth review tomorrow to dive into all of the nitty-gritty aspects of this game, which was a really impressive game from the United States men's national team. More on that in just a minute. Taylor, with your with your mic situation, I think you meant to say that an alligator chewed on your microphone. There we go. That's there we go. how you really tie in the <laughs> Florida here. Man, people from Florida are, are kind of catching some strays, but you know, you gotta they do are. what you gotta do. They they seem to throw the strays at themselves. Uh, I'm not gonna fair. say they shoot themselves, but they like, there's definitely um, I'm, trying, I'm just trying to think of a good example. Like like the masks down here that are very optional. Every single person has made a comment like, oh, I know, like you, you expect no one in Florida to wear masks. Like it does seem like there's an idea, like we know, we know the jokes <laughs> about us. Like they try to preempt them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's, I suppose it's kind of all you can do at a certain point, Taylor. <laughs> um, so I want to I start with your bird's yeah. eye thoughts on this game, especially because you were there at Exploria Stadium covering this 5-1 win in person. This was a huge win for the U.S. men's national team, a win that I think was probably the best performance and the most important win, certainly, of the Berhalter era. What did you think of this game, Taylor? What did you see being there in person? What was the atmosphere like? Just give me your, your overall thoughts mm-hmm. on this game. Um, we talked about this a little bit in the BR show, but for folks who missed it, I, I thought that was probably the most impressive, uh, comprehensively good half of soccer the U.S. has played under Greg Berhalter that I can remember. Uh, Joe, you tend to have a better memory than I, and I might go back to my notes and just look at some of the bigger results. But for me, how resoundingly dominant they were after make a little shaky opening five or ten minutes. From that point on uh, until halftime, the U.S. was just all over Panama, and that was defensively, that was on attack, that was in transition. They hustled, they worked so hard, and then there's even moments away from the goals where the ball would be cleared and a Panamanian would bring it down. And I remember specifically at one moment, like Jesus Ferreira sprints like 30 yards to hassle him, and then Pulisic swarms him, and eventually the ball is coughed up, U.S. gets possession back. And it was just so high energy, so much good work from the United States on the night that I'm almost sort of dumbfounded at the end of it by how good they were, how strong that was. And if you needed a statement win from the U.S., I would say that was a pretty statement win. And there's a couple things there for me, Taylor, based off what you said that really stand out. The first thing is Baralter's halftime interview that he did with the FS1 crew. Um, he mentioned specifically how good the energy was in that first half, and he's absolutely right. The players were buzzing around the field. They were aggressive, high-pressing from the start of this game. They were responding to Panama's aggression, and they were hitting in transition. There were some nice moments in possession as well. Maybe we'll talk about more about more of that in just a minute. But I thought Baralta was spot on to highlight the energy just as you are, Taylor, in, in your response there. The other thing is I got to eat some crow 
Taylor Rockwell because <laughs> I've spent a good chunk of the last week and a half or whatever it's been at this point talking about how this is the, the this game was the most important one in the window. And I don't take that back because I think it was pretty clearly the most important game in the window. This game got the U.S. nearly to Qatar, just a half step away. All they have to do is not lose by six goals on Wednesday against Costa Rica, which feels doable to say the least. But I spent so much time talking about how important this game was, and I was I was critical of Baralta really going for it with the lineup that he played at the Azteca on Thursday. He played the first choice guys with the exception of Gio Reyna in that game and maybe with the exception of the number nine. But a lot of those same guys come out and play again tonight against Panama. Tyler Adams plays again. Yudis Musa plays again. The center backs, Jedi all play again. Zach Steffen, of course, plays again. Christian Pulisic plays again. He was a pretty... A lot of the key players, I should say, played again tonight, and I thought in the first half especially, they did everything they needed to do to really put the entire game away. They didn't make it so they had to really extend energy in the second half. Heck, they didn't even make it really so they had to expend a lot of energy at the end of the first half. They By the time the U.S. is up 3-0 around the 27th minute, I think is when that, that third goal came in somewhere in that in that range. This thing was done. Like, the U.S. didn't need to dominate possession. Taylor, the only stretch of this game where the U.S. had the majority of possession, according to MLSsoccer.com's little graphic that they post in the stats page, the only stretch the U.S. had the majority of possession over Panama was from minute 10 to minute 15. All the other (laughs) five-minute chunks of this game, Panama outpossessed the U.S., which is never what I would have expected. But that's exactly what I think helped the U.S. save some energy, and, and the U.S., put themselves in a strong position to not even really need the ball for the last 60 minutes of this game. And that's why I have to believe Panama are still going to be very upset about the initial penalty decision, the Godoy uh, shot to Zim's neck. To me, uh, like the speculation in the press box was that Zimmerman went down a little bit soft. I I saw him get hit (laughs) and I saw him go down. Maybe he sells it, but to me, that was definitely a penalty. But I think if you're Panama... You're feeling okay about your performance. You're, you're getting some chances. You're going at the U.S. It's a more open game. And I think that moment really changes the narrative, not just because now the U.S. is up 1-0 and Panama has to chase, but just because I think for the United States there was a feeling of, okay, we got the goal we needed. Now we can play the game we want to. We can hassle. We can frustrate. And they did just that, and it let the United States play the game they needed to play and wanted to play. And I think you're spot on, Joe, that because they don't have to kind of consistently possess and break down this defensive team they're not wearing themselves out they're not frustrating themselves they're not getting overexposed they're able to just hunt in packs and and go after Panama when they want to and sit in when they needed to and I think that was the big part of the second half was the U.S. kind of just sitting in and playing defense and they end up conceding the one but they get another one so it's a one-to-one tie at the end of the second half but the first half win is pretty dominant but and I think I understand where you're coming from, though, Joe, with the kind of concerns about tired legs and a lack of rotation. And we did see a little bit. And it's crazy to me that those players that came in, I spotlighted Paul Ariola as being a question mark, and I wasn't quite sure how he would fit in. And he goes and scores an excellent goal. Shaq Moore plays great defense, facilitates attacking play as well. I thought it was a great game from him. So those two, Luca De La Torre comes in and shines. Uh, Jesus Ferreira, I thought, had a great game. I think you make an argument that the people who came in uh, the, the players that replaced the kind of more consistent starters or the starters that we know, I was, I was nervous. And then they really came in and did exactly what they needed and helped get that win. Taylor, I want to go back to that first goal for just a second. I felt sitting at home on my couch 
that I mean, everything leading up to that goal for the U.S. It was a it was a nervous 15 minutes. Not because the yeah. U.S. was playing poorly. I actually think they they played fine to start this game. Maybe not as far out on the front foot as they wanted to be. But Panama had a lot of the ball, like we already talked about. But they weren't doing dangerous things with it. The U.S. was doing fine defensively. They were absorbing pressure and trying to hit out on the break. It was just fouls and fouls. The ref was calling it very tight early on. That disrupted the flow of the game. But still, it was a nervous opening stretch in this game because of how important this thing was, right? The U.S. early on in the day had a chance to qualify, to qualify, to qualify good gracious, <laughs> automatically in this game if Costa Rica had dropped points, uh, but they did not do that to El Salvador. Costa Rica won 2-1 in that game right before the U.S. kicked off. So the U.S. really needed a win to put themselves in a strong position on Wednesday and to keep themselves in a good spot in the table. And so there's pressure on this U.S. team to get that goal. And when Zimmerman draws that deserved penalty, I think Vieira was very good to catch that. When he draws that penalty and Jesus Ferreira comes up to, to hold the ball and take the heat away from Pulisic, then Pulisic takes it from him and he goes and scores that penalty. Every moment for me leading up to the ball hitting the back of the net was filled with some level of, of nerves and of anxiousness. Taylor, I want to ask you for being there in the stadium what was that feeling like collectively? Was there that nervous energy or was it a sense of confidence before the ball hit the back of the net? And then what was the contrasting feeling knowing the U.S. was up 1-0? I, so I think like leading into the game with, with like the tailgates walking through, talking to people, playing some pickup this morning, the vibe seemed to be I'm optimistic, but I'm nervous. Nobody, I think there wasn't much, maybe it's just because people didn't want to get into it, but there wasn't a ton of like, Beraldo doesn't know what he's doing. This doesn't make any sense. Um, and so I think that sort of set up the atmosphere heading into the game. Once we're in the stands, you could hear it in the VR call that it was mostly just like a celebratory atmosphere. I think it was people excited to cheer for the United States and what this game could mean and the potential ramifications of it. And so even when he, when that penalty is given, cause you're right, Joe, that the ref is giving, uh, like calling a fairly tight game. But I think as a result, U.S. fans started to get frustrated because it felt like he was calling every little thing. Then there's a moment when it might have been Ariola gets like a, his leg swept behind the play. It seems like it's going to be a penalty and or a, a foul, and it wasn't. And and U.S. fans responded to that with emphatic booing. It was very very loud and very very angry at that official. And so the same thing with the Zimmerman incident when he goes down the and it's right in front of the supporter section. So they were howling mad. And then you get that moment of VAR, and I think that is sort of what dispelled the nerves, because I didn't get that feeling of anxiety, to answer your original question in a very long-winded way. It was, I think, because the penalty was given after the fact through VAR, there was already so much celebration and cheering. And then it, the crazy thing is, like, it's, like, Pulisic has so much hype that when Jesus Ferreira steps up and is holding the ball, everyone's just sort of like, all right, yeah, penalty, penalty. And as Pulisic walked towards Ferreira and it was clear, oh, he's taking it, the crowd was already cheering. There was a cheer of like, yay, Pulisic's going to do it. And then he finishes it and that place erupted. And he, you could see that what it meant to him. He cared. He comes running over to the sideline and there's a huge celebration. And I just think from that moment on, the U.S. was in the form they needed to be and, and feeling it and feeling confident. The crowd backed him up. And it was a great atmosphere in Orlando, I have to say. Uh, I've only been here one other time for MLS All-Star. And shock of all shocks, a World Cup qualifier has a slightly rowdier atmosphere no. than the MLS All-Star game. <laughs> Taylor, I don't believe that for a second. Come on. What was it, Atletico Madrid in preseason? Golly, I can't <laughs> believe you could even compare those things. Taylor, we, we talked about that first goal and, and how important it was for the U.S. in this game. And it, it really did feel huge. And it sounds like some of the atmosphere in the stadium in the build-up to that reflection. Reflected that moment, of course. 
What else did you notice from this first half in terms of actual on-field play and tactics and individual moments or in terms of specific players, anyone who stood out to you from this game? Yeah, uh, I'll start with Tyler Adams, who always stands out to me. You know I love Tyler Adams. But in in this game, I thought he still has some of those moments that we've been talking about. I'm coming around to the idea that maybe his forward passing isn't always great. (laughs) And I think he does a weird thing where if he hits like three in a row... I think he starts to like feel himself a little bit, but there will be a moment when he just tries something that didn't need to happen and it gets cut out and leads to a counter. And that did happen. It happened early in the game. It happened a couple of different times. But that little moment aside, he was excellent on the ball. Other than that, he was very good defensively. But the biggest thing, the reason why I spotlight him is because I did not realize how much of a leader he is in this team. And maybe that's an obvious thing, but... He is constantly, when you see him in person, talking to every single player. He's talking to Burhalter After the goals, uh, after the penalty, he comes over and, and celebrates with Pulisic aggressively and happily. Uh, same thing for the other uh, two goals, the opening three. But then as soon as the celebrations are done and people start walking back to midfield, he is talking to almost every single player. And he goes over to Zimmerman and uh, Robinson and has a conversation with them. And you can tell that it's not just like, all right, guys, let's see this out. You can tell he's giving instructions and reminding them what to do. And I think he has so much responsibility placed on him by Greg Berhalter, who we know is a detail-oriented guy. He's got a lot of stuff he wants his players to do and how he wants them to play. And I think he looks to Tyler Adams to be the one to make sure everyone's doing what they need to do. And... That, that made a difference in my mind tonight. So the way he organized, the way he just kind of kept his team going, I liked that. And I really, as always, liked Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman uh, in the back. Zimmerman drawing a penalty, did not have that coming. Uh, I think Robinson also draws yep. a penalty. So there we go, our center backs <laughs> drawing penalties left and right. But uh, an interesting trend that I saw was the U.S., I wouldn't say they were like aggressively pressing, but once they made Panama go backwards, they would get more aggressive in the way they were chasing down. And what that often meant was that Jesus Ferreira would chase down the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper would play it out wide, usually to uh, Murillo, the right back. And Pulisic then was closing him at full speed. And no matter what Panama did, even if they tried to like shift numbers over, and they did, they would put everybody on one side when that long ball was hit by Murillo. The U.S. did the exact same thing, and Miles Robinson and Zimmerman always were front and following whoever that main threat would be, whoever the kind of target man would be. And maybe he won one like challenge, I think. Uh, but aside from that, it was mostly just the two of them dominating in the air, and I think that also laid a strong foundation for the rest of the game. Yeah, the set pieces, and, and you talking about the center backs, they're drawing penalty kicks that's oh, a big yeah. part of this game, right? I mean, that that was a massive part of this game. Of course, that's where Panama get their goal late on in the second half is off of a set piece. Anibal Godoy scores his second set piece goal in, in two games against the U.S. men's national team. But it's also Zimmerman. It's also Miles Robinson. It's those big moments that the U.S. have. They have the bodies to do that. And even without Weston McKenney in a huge game, you still see their ability to impact dead ball situations without him. And I think that's that's a huge thing for the U.S. in games like this and hopefully will be huge going forward. Taylor, one other player I want to mention, someone who didn't start in this game, that, that Graham and I, and, and you as well, talked through on the Bleacher Report pregame show that we did, Gio Reyna. He comes off the bench and, and plays the second 45. I think we were all sort of hoping that he would be in the starting lineup, and we were surprised a little bit that he wasn't. Initially, we thought it might be due to the fact that he's still relatively new to fitness after dealing with a bunch of injuries that started way back in September with the U.S. men's national team. He'd only ever played his first full 90 over this past weekend since that September game, that September 2nd game against El Salvador. He comes off the bench, and it turns out, at least 
partially it seems like that he was out because of a stomach bug that he and mm-hmm. apparently 20 total people in the U.S.'s group. So that includes, I believe, at least players and coaches and staffers. 20 people had picked up some sort of stomach bug in uh, in, in Mexico after the game at the Estadio Azteca. So we don't know exactly what it was that kept Gio Reyna out. We don't know the severity of any of those injuries or, or illnesses. But man, Taylor, I thought he comes off the bench, especially on a rewatch. Man, he was electric. I mean, he was electric really? on first watch too. But I picked up even more things. I don't know. I'd encourage you, Taylor, to go back through and somebody's going to comp it, I'm sure, and put it on Twitter. But he had a number of really important key passes. There's a pass I tweeted out in the 60th minute where he disguises it with his hips. He opens like he's playing a ball probably towards the sideline, and then he, he plays it low with his right foot in between multiple Panamanian players to Luca De La Torre in a key attacking area, and then De La Torre plays it to Ferreira, and Ferreira doesn't get the shot on target. But, I mean, it's it's a beautiful attacking sequence, and he also has that through ball to Christian Pulisic. He has a nice ball from, I believe, the right wing into the center into zone 14 early in the, at least at some point in the second half. I, I don't have the minute right in front of me. But I thought he was really, really good off the bench. And between this appearance off the bench in, in this game against Panama and that 30 minutes he had against Mexico, it's enough to remind me, Taylor, uh, of how darn good Gio Reyna is, right? I mean, if there's <laughs> one thing, and this is a night full of positives, I should be clear. The U.S. Yeah. is on the doorstep of qualifying to the World Cup and, and moving on to the to, to Qatar and, and later this year. But man, adding in a re-emerging Gio Reyna and a, and a Gio Reyna that looks fit and commanding. And I know, Taylor, you mentioned that maybe he looked a little angry and, and, and yeah. strange at times yeah. in this game. I'm curious to hear yeah. more about that. But in terms of strict on-field actions and, and how he was impacting the game, I'm not even sure that that Christian Pulisic impacted the game quite as much in the run of play as Gio Reyna did in his 45 minutes. That's fascinating. I really will have to rewatch because what I suspect is that it was one of those things where I started to notice him doing little things and then those little things became the kind of focal point of me watching Gio Reyna and those little things were oftentimes just getting into it with Panamanian players and and it was obvious ones that I'm sure you could see on camera but then there were other ones he does a lot of just and and I say this at like speaking from his like opponent's perspective annoying stuff like he is clearly trying to annoy the other team and so there's there's bumps in the back as he's running by them when the ball's on the other side of the field there's just little shoves there's little elbows there's like ball goes out of bounds and he gives them an extra little shove he's an instigator and I think he, he and that might be part of his game is just that he needs that sort of that competitive fire, that competitive anger almost to really motivate him to perform the way we know he can um, and I and I. I don't really have that much of a problem with it. Uh, maybe until it becomes a, a thing where he gets booked regularly. He's gotten booked in the past, but it seems like maybe he's learning the dark arts in a, in a clever enough way that it's not going to be a problem there. But that was a thing that I, I think I probably focused on, perhaps overly so, because now that you even mentioned it, Joe, he did do a lot. and <laughs> He is involved yeah. in a lot, and he links up really well with Pulisic. Those two combining is, I'm going to assume, terrifying for anybody trying to defend them. Uh, I loved his... In the opening parts of the second half, he gets that the shooting opportunity that he puts yep. wide. Probably could have passed it, but I, I, I have to believe that after the uh, the PFOC miss against Mexico, Giorena is just never passing when he's in a shooting <laughs> position ever again. Um, and I and I think and, I, and so I think you're right that he probably he had more of an influential game than I was inclined to give him credit for. But thinking back on it, looking at my notes now, I'm realizing how much he did do in that second half. So well done, Gio. Well done, US. Well done, Joe. Me and Gio in the U.S. are all on the same page after tonight. The same yeah, level much, as well, much. Taylor. Yeah, I think I think he was really dangerous, and I'd be curious to, to get more of your thoughts on him tomorrow. Taylor, yeah. anything else that you want to dive into at the end here to close us out before we wrap things up? And again, we'll have our full review out on the feed tomorrow, midday probably. 
Um, yeah, I think I saw Ben Bear had a really good uh, tweet that like it's worth acknowledging here because you and I have had our moments where we weren't so not that we ever we never went as far as to say like we're alter out or anything like that, but we had moments of of concern and doubt, and I'm sure we'll have moments of concern and doubt in the future. But it's worth pausing to see what he's done with this team, and what he's done with this team is win the Nations League, win the Gold Cup, get three wins and a draw against Mexico, one of those on the road at the Azteca. He has very, very, very likely qualified the U.S. for the World Cup. He's brought through young players. He's recruited dual nationals that make this team better. And this is a team that was playing without one of those dual nationals, Sergio Dest, without Weston McKinney, obviously, and still is able to look dominant and looks like this team is on the same page. And I think... That probably explains some of the absences, specifically Brooks and Scally. I, I, I think Baralter is a guy who wants control. He wants the team playing in the same way, the same style, with the same level of belief. And until the player gets to the zone where he's comfortable with them, I guess we're not going to see them. And I have concerns about that. There were many, many, many jokes made uh, in the press box about, like, Joe Scally's hamstrings would have held up there. Joe Scally would have done that. Uh but but and I think that that's people are justified in wanting other players in there and and however you want to debate that go ahead. But overall, I think it's worth pausing to just say like, well done, Greg Berhalter, and well done the U.S. men's national team. And it's just really exciting that we're on the verge of going back to the World Cup, and that is ultimately I think why the atmosphere was just so explosive and so happy. And even after the game, like walk, walking, I was trying to find a replacement microphone walking through downtown Orlando, and and it was a lot of drunk people, obviously, but it was also just a celebratory atmosphere, including groups of Panamanian fans who were still up for it and still happy. I heard multiple U.S. fans stop to say, like, hey, sorry about that, but good game, like, great to see you. And it was just, I don't know, it was cool. It was just a good atmosphere. It was a happy night for the U.S. fans, for Greg Berhalter, for the men's national team, for all the players. It's just it's just exciting, and, it, and it's, it's nice to not be where we were four years ago, four and a half years ago, whatever it might be, and that feeling of just doom and despair and... I, I have a lot of sympathy for Italian fans. I did see that amazing joke. Joe, did you see, did you see that one? Keep going. Tell me more. Uh, like, like no wonder Gianluca Busio chose to play for the United States over Italy. <laughs> he wanted to play at a World Cup. Uh, yeah, kind of brutal. Kind of brutal. brutal. But like, but that. But just thinking about where we were after Cuba, after that loss to Trinidad and the failure to qualify, and and how that was probably like the saddest day for most american soccer fans in their soccer yep. fandom that and so for us to be here for the for the win to have very likely qualified and not necessarily need a a win or even a draw we just need to not lose what like 6-0 like i think i think that's manageable i hope that's manageable and even if it's not that we still have the playoff like i we were we're going to qualify i'm not worried about going into a playoff but i think overall it's just worth noting how far this program has come and and how far i think it still can go I, I totally agree, Taylor. I don't think I could have said that any better than you did right there. This was, it's a massive result for the U.S. men's national team. Absolutely huge. For me, my, my closing takeaway, I guess, is how fun was it to watch the U.S. play good yeah, soccer? Yeah. Not just tonight. And they did that tonight, oh, don't boy. get me wrong. But also yeah. Thursday, right? I mean, they played a good game against Mexico. They had the two better chances in that game. And the players played well. I, I don't think there's really anything to debate there. The same thing goes for tonight. They had a job in front of them, and they did that job. And they didn't just do it enough. Like, they didn't just just barely cross the finish line. They performed 
extremely well tonight, I thought. Everyone involved with this U.S. team, and that's a massive positive. To get to come in and, and talk about goals and exciting things tonight, Taylor, and to do the same thing tomorrow in more detail, like, it's it's a hugely fun and entertaining thing, and the U.S. is so close to accomplishing what they've wanted to accomplish for five years now and for getting that monkey, close to getting that monkey off their back. And I'm just stoked to talk about that as we get deeper into the last stages of World Cup qualifying and then into the Nations League in the summer and hopefully all the way into the winter in Qatar and all that good stuff. Taylor, uh, I guess any closing thoughts from you, uh, really, really final, final closing thoughts before we get mm-hmm. out of here? Yeah, just to echo one thing that you said there. They, they were they were just fun tonight, and it's not yep. just the goals, but it is just the goals. To get five goals is always really exciting, especially in World Cup qualifying, especially when there's so much on the line. But that Paul Areola goal for a moment, because again, that's a player that I was sort of not sure of, I was doubting, and he comes in and I thought it had a great half. I think he maybe there's a little bit of an injury, and that's why we don't see him in the second half, or maybe they're trying to get just kind of rotate some legs through. But that goal... Uh, like Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp would be proud of that goal from Paul Areola, and not just because of how good the finish was, but because it's the U.S. counterpressing Pulisic, or no, excuse me, it's the U.S. being sort of direct, but Pulisic is able to bring a ball down as it's going out of bounds. Uh, he lays it off to Anthony Robinson. He gets cleaned out as he lays that ball back. Referee gives advantage. Anthony Robinson spots the run from Areola, puts it on a plate. Areola flicks it perfectly into the side netting, and it was just this. It was it was a ruthless attacking sequence, and there was no pause, there was no stop. Anthony Robinson doesn't like put the ball out of bounds, so they get a free kick. It's just here's an opportunity. He plays it in. The service was excellent. We haven't always seen that from the U.S. when it comes to their crossing, and it's a an incredibly good finish. But that is the type of goal that I don't think we've seen the U.S. score all that often in the past. And to see them do it tonight, and to see them do it so regularly tonight, was just it was it was it was truly impressive and truly just sort of like awe-inspiring. I got my jaw dropped on that goal. I couldn't believe how emphatic the the U.S. were in getting those goals. So I come away, even if I don't sound it, because I'm in my hotel room and trying to be quiet, because I'm sure there's people next door. I'm just over the moon. I'm really enthusiastic. I'm really excited about this team and qualifying for the World Cup and getting to talk about them with you, Joe. Dang right, Taylor. I just couldn't believe how high Paul Ariola jumped on that Right? Good gracious. I did not know he had that in his bag, man. Ridiculous. Listeners, we'll talk more about this game tomorrow, plenty more about this game tomorrow. We'll also have a show out after the Costa Rica game on Wednesday where hopefully we'll know for a fact that the United States men's national team will have qualified for the 2022 World Cup. For now, Taylor, it's time for you to go to bed. It's time for me (laughs) to get this show out. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me and, and safe travels home to Richmond tomorrow, sir. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for dealing with my technical difficulties. Listeners, same to you all. I look forward (laughs) to chatting tomorrow into an actual microphone. Listeners, thanks for listening, and we'll be back again soon.